there's a war for your soul. Father God, we thank you, yes, for the revelation of the wonderful plan that you have for us, Lord, a plan to make us really understand your great love and your soon coming, Father. I pray that you give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to understand who you are, what you're doing, and your soon coming, Lord God. I pray that we would not be afraid. I pray that you would cause us to walk in the fullness of the plan that you have for us with confidence, with faith, with courage, Lord God, for you have defeated the enemy. You have overcome Satan's sin and the grave. You are our coming king, and you are the bridegroom. So, Lord God, help us to understand that. Give us wisdom. I bind every spirit of confusion, any spirit of uh, error or denial, uh, that you would give us, Lord, the mind of Christ to understand these important, critical, wonderful, uh, little known, very often not even preached, completely ignored truths that are so precious in your word. Father God, give us grace now in Jesus' name to understand it. Amen. And and alluded a little bit to the bride. We talked about the incarnation of the social, political, evil system uh, that is the the beast has is ramping up into an an identity and an entity called the beast, who is the embodiment of evil, uh, and that we have consented to him either through our passive or uh, participation agreement, or through practice, through participating, through passive agreement, we have allowed this entity, this evil, to arise in the world. All Satan has ever wanted to do was take over the human race, make the earth a fitful habitation for himself, and get rid of those who are made in the image of God because they are in, in his way. He has stolen, usurped our power through, through fear tactics, through coercion, through using uh, cheating, through uh, take, using us against one another, setting us in opposition to divide us against each other. But there are actually two things that are coming forth out of this mess in the earth right now, the beast and the bride, and they are at war with one another. Um, to, to, we're going to end uh, looking at the mystery. Jesus is cool, and so many times he's talking in layers about things. He's, he's giving us revelation about something, giving a parable, giving a teaching, showing an action, doing a healing, teaching around the, the, uh, the object lesson of the healing. He's always imparting little gems and bits of this truth. Uh, today, the truth we're going to be looking at is the bride, the truth about the bride, the wedding, the marriage supper of the Lamb. And if you will look in the, the book of John, the Gospel of John, Chapter 2, verse 10, you'll see that the very first, 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 first reveal of Jesus Christ is at a wedding. At a wedding. Why a wedding? You know, aren't there a lot of bad things he could have started out by doing? You know, like uh, what he obviously did, you know, in some of the gospels, he started with healing the leper and that sort of thing. But in John, he starts out right after he called his disciples to go to the wedding of Canaan, a Cana. And what he did. Um, his mother persuaded him that this was the day, the time that he should present himself. And what happened in the course of the day, the events, pro- that there was a shortage. They ran out of wine. And these weddings were long days, many day events. And to run out of wine would be absolutely humiliating beyond words. And it would expose the bride, the groom, the parents, as uh, especially the, the parents of the bride who had to put on the wedding, as uh you know, uh, poor or, 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 um, 
uh, unhospitable or, or something. They become ashamed. But anyway, so we have Jesus here and mother, his mother says, hey, they've run out of wine. And Jesus said, well, what do you want me to do about that? So here we see the, the beginning of the reveal of one of the mysteries of the kingdom of God that began with Jesus. Well, it was the first miracle. Um, and do you ever wonder why? 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 I mean, this is a very good question. Why was he performing a, mir- a miracle, the, mul- the, the, the changing of the water into wine at a celebration to give these guests new wine? Um, it was kind of an introduction to us of the concept of marriage, the wedding uh, of the bride and groom, the wedding, the, the marriage supper of the lamb. It was the beginning of the reveal of those, those um, important ideas and understandings. Wine, um, first of all, why wine? You know, people have this big controversy about wine. Well, wine was given um, as a symbol uh, throughout the whole Bible, actually, wine is, is used for various things. And a lot of times it's used to um, establish covenants. We, um, we do the, the bread and, and the wine as a, as a reestablishing or a reflection or remembrance of the covenant that we entered into with our groom at the Last Supper. Um, so it's, a, it's, a, it's, a use, it's used to bring joy and gladness. That's a good thing. It's used to um, bring a, establish a covenant when you participate through the drinking of the cup you're entering into, that's a symbolic way of entering into the covenant in accepting, you're giving your consent at the, and, the, and, and you're, consecra- you're consenting to the consecration of yourself to the groom. So this was part of, um, it, was, it was a cup that was shared at the betrothal of the bride and groom to seal their covenant agreement. In the Galilean wedding, the betrothal was as good as the wedding. So the, the, uh, the miracle was performed, um, with the, the, uh, there was various events that were symbolic in the Galilean wedding that are symbolic and under, need to be understood in the, in the, uh, bride of Christ in the coming of, and the culmination of, and Jesus coming back for his bride. So it was the first time, um, he revealed himself as the son of man who was coming on purpose for those whosoever will. He came to offer them eternal life, a home, a dwelling, a place to live forever with his Father in heaven. So we see this first miracle as a symbolic kind of a secret secret clue to those who, who would understand what this meant. Now the wine also represents, of course, uh, the shedding of his blood. So when we, at the Last Supper, he said he, he gave them that cup, he, he told, drink of this cup, and then he said, "I desire to, to. I won't drink of this again till I drink with you in, you know, in the in the kingdom." So that last cup, that cup of sharing, that cup of covenant, was an entry point into um, giving them a look into the mysteries of the kingdom of God that were beginning to be explained. He explained them through parables and through deeds. In Matthew twenty-two, we talk about the marriage, the parable of the marriage feast, and that the kingdom of God is like this feast that the father prepared for his son. The king arranged the, mar- the marriage for his son. The day of the wedding feast arrived. It had come, and the response was required. Um, uh, and the response is also varied, obviously. Um, it's, so the, the invitation was sent out. They'd all been sent out. The preparations had all been made. Um, and now the excuses began to come. The guests were not all persuaded to... Um, uh, 
to, to, to answer or respond to the call, to the invitation. Some of them were busy, occupied, doing other things. They, it says, the word says they made light of it. Um, they, they, they had other things in their heart. They desired other things to do other things rather than be part of this wedding feast. There were not only guests, we are not only invited to be guests and desire to be there, but we are entering into a covenant to marry um, and become the bride of this husband um, who will one day, uh, we will dwell with him forever. So they were, there were those who were not ready. They were, um, their, their intentions were not, they were not interested. They were busy. They were buying, in other parables he talks about, they were buying yokes of oxen, uh, could be, you know, any kind of thing that would represent today, um, cars, uh, vehicles, implements, um, and they were, they were looking at property. They were, you know, ex- um, examining their fields. They were, uh, their investments, they were busy, um, courting other things, their own inner emotional pursuits. They had married a wife. They were not interested in what the Lord was offering them. And this is so typical today that we're so set up and caught up in, um, in the cares of this world being preoccupied, as it says, he said, don't be uh, by the uh, caught off and overwhelmed by the cares of this world so that they would be, um, uh, not understanding this marriage, this, this invitation. So they rejected the invitation. They went their own way. Then according to the parable, the father, lest his son should be ashamed and not, um, have a full house opened up the feast to everyone, small and great, well-known and hidden. So whosoever will can come, can call upon the name of the Lord. Wedding garments were also provided for all. So the garment was given at the wedding feast to cover the person, um, cover their shame, cover their poverty, cover their their wretched conditions, to make them all equally acceptable and, and able to enter the event. The one who refused the king's provision uh, and this is part of the parable, uh, provision of the garment was thrust out because he had disqualified himself and now had to be escorted out because he refused the provision, the covering of the blood, the covering of the Lamb of God. And so um, it was uh, his choice, obviously. And so that there, there was a requirement for being part of this party. And, and then it ends by saying many are called, and few are chosen. Many, all, have been sent the wedding invitation. Um, it says um, it says in Romans that you know for those that in Romans eight he talks about the predestination. Those he foreknew, he predestined. Those he predestined, he he called. And at that point of the call is where we begin to decide whether we're going to accept the invitation to the wedding or not. So many are called, but those I get, I've gotten lots of wedding invitations. We've gotten lots of invitations that we, we don't go to the wedding. We decided we can't do it. There's, you know, whatever, for whatever reason. But if I don't go to the wedding, I don't get to eat wedding cake. I don't get to, to hug the bride. I don't get to be part of this, of the ceremony. So in other words, we're, we're called, we're invited. We're all the wedding invitations are sent out to everyone, small and great, but only those who respond can be chosen. So the choice to be included is actually not God's, but ours. And that's where our free will comes in again to be part of this bridal 
party. So in the in, in looking for a minute at the elements of the Galilean wedding, they would include the betrothal, which means the exchanging. The, what happens is the man finds the woman he wants to marry, okay, and he gets up the courage to go to her, and they do this exchange, this inquiry, this engagement, not in some secret place, not in some hidden little romantic spot. They do it in front of the gate of the, uh, uh, where the, in the, the commerce has happened, where the agreements are made. Well, back in those days, in the gate, gate of the city was where the business occurred. Yeah, and this is big business. You know, this was you know this <laughs> was this is where where uh, covenants were made, mm-hmm. uh, meetings were held, uh, political decisions were made, uh, religious leaders gathered there, and there for, were witnesses there. Lot, you know, witnesses. So they wanted witnesses. They wanted lots of witnesses because this is actually the official marriage in a way. The the culmination at the party is just the 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 you know that's the celebration. But so the proposal was presented. And they would write it out. It would be a covenant that would be read by the groom. The word of God is like that proposal. It's read, written for us. We read it, of course. Uh, Presented to the groom, presented to mankind. And the the bride-to-be listens. And if she agrees with what's in the covenant, the agreement is made and sealed, secured, through their drinking of this cup. It's a shared cup. And the, 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 the groom offers the cup to the bride first. And she, if she says yes to the covenant, she drinks of the cup. Then she hands it back to him. And so she is the one, she's got the last word. She's actually got the, the, the word of power saying, yes, I want to be your wife. And so you were, you were quoting from the uh, parable of the wedding feast, uh, from Matthew 22, uh, Matthew it talks Matthew twenty two fourteen. Many are called, but few are chosen. So she was called yep. to this place of the meeting yes. with the with being the, chosen. Where selected. the pr- proposal mm-hmm. was there, the proposal was there, and b- the proposal had already been made. Right, right. And what she was Before agreeing, the, yeah. she was either if she took the cup, she was accepting the proposal. Mm-hmm. If she re- did not, she rejected the cup. The deal was, was off. Yeah, so, the deal was done. So if off. she, if she was called and she rejected the offer of the bridegroom, the proposal of the bridegroom, she would not be chosen. She couldn't be chosen because she refused it. She, she didn't refor- want her. She refused. Her, she, her free will would have right. been overridden by coercion, and God does not force us to love him. He doesn't force us into heaven. Yeah. He doesn't force us to the marriage of the Lamb. He doesn't force us to be his bride. So if you reject the call, you're not chosen. So the next interesting thing at this Galilean wedding, um, which I found you know, obviously very intriguing, and I believe the Galilean wedding was the, was this, the type, the wedding uh, type that Jesus used to, uh, from that, and it's a very different than most of the of the tribes around there, but it was the one that he used to bring together the elements of his marriage to his bride. And so, what you read about in John chapter two, the wedding feast at Cana, Cana was in Galilee, right? And I think all his disciples were Galileans. I'm not sure if Judas was, but I think the the disciples. 
uh-huh. for the most so part. So they were very familiar with this tradition. They were Galileans, so they, so understood. they understood it. And a lot of times when we're reading the Word of God, and we're Swedes and Scandinavian, we're Russians, Germans, we don't get the the nuances of what he is saying here. It's kind of an inside joke, so to speak, but it's not a joke. But it's an inside, you know, in-house kind of understanding. So, Well, he, it's, it's a matter of the culture. A lot of times right. what we, we, we have to study the Bible the says, God, yep. study to show yourself approved unto God so giving diligence part of our study of the word needs to be uh, studying what the culture was mm-hmm. what what yeah. was the meaning behind the behind behind, behind the symbols yeah so when the when symbols. the when the groom was offering her this cup of wine and Jesus was offering his disciples at the last supper the cup of wine which was a symbol of his blood to be shed for the um ratification of the covenant, the agreement, the marriage, um, he was in essence the the cheap wine, the the first wine, the human wine, the, the you know the distilled wine was not tasty, not fun, not good compared to the richness of what he created in the miracle and the riches of his blood, the the, the uh, pricelessness of his blood. I think someone calculated the, the cost of that wine in terms of today's most expensive wines. And it was hundreds of thousands, if not millions, millions of, of dollars, dollars yeah. for that wine that he made. Anyway, but it's not, cannot be really calculated in, in figures like that. But he was offering her, the bride, Jesus is offering her his, his, Jesus, the groom, was offering his bride the the participation in his death and resurrection through the Last Supper, through the partaking of the bread and the wine. So the wine, the cup offered her was very symbolic, not just in terms of the covenant that was being made at the gate at that day for those two people, but also in terms of the bride of Christ. So um, then the next thing that was very interesting after the c- contract was writ- written and agreed to and sealed with the drinking of the wine um, and everybody witnessed it, there was an exchange of a dowry. Now, the dowry, in, in many places, the wife's uh, father has to give money to the groom or the groom's father. I don't know why. It seems, you know, everybody's got this idea. But but in Galilee, it was the other way around. The father of the groom would present money to the bride-to-be. And that an exchange of the dowry was given to her the the man gave the gift. The groom was giving the gift to the bride. The money was given to her by the groom to prepare her for, to get the things she needed to prepare herself for the wedding. Once she accepted right. the offer. Once of course, she of drank course. of the cup. Yes. Yeah. So the groom's father gave her a, a, a money, gave her a means to prepare herself. And I believe that that money, that means that inheritance can be any number of things that God has given each of us individually and corporately the gift i believe part of it's the holy spirit to give and to dwell within us to help us to lead us into all truth to prepare us to keep us protect us from uh, truth and error and to lead us into victory and triumph and so she began for that amount of time and usually it was a year and i think but the, the the most important thing about this story is that the groom said as he is jesus is in john fourteen thirteen, i go to prepare a place for you uh, the groom would then leave his bride in her hometown to get ready for the wedding, and he would go get ready for the wedding by building a room on his father's house. Jesus 
brought that back in when at the last when they're getting kind of sad about his leaving and he said in 14 of John chapter 14 verse 1 let not your heart be troubled you believe in God believe also in me in my father's house are many mansions if it were not so I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you and if I go and prepare a place for you I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am there you may be also this is the whole story of the of the betrothal the wedding the groom going away building a place coming back Jesus says this is what we're doing here we're getting married I'm going to go back and and build a mansion, get your mansions ready, build that room right onto my father's house. So we're right there and I'm coming back. And you know how that works. You've seen that weddings over and over. And, and you know, the interesting thing is, as he went back to build that room, Jesus is referring to the mansions, the rooms, the living quarters in heaven that are in his house where he's making a home for us to dwell with him. The bride and groom are going to live together forever. So, um, that he and also here he's he's telling him don't be sad don't be afraid don't let your heart be troubled i am coming back okay when jesus says he's coming back he's coming back and just because he hasn't come for 2000 years and he just because he hasn't come in the lifetime of many many people who lived before us does not mean he's not coming back he just hasn't come back yet that's really all it means so jesus said when he was here on earth he said uh, that of that day and that hour knows uh, knows no one, nobody knows it, except my Father. Who is in heaven. So, so mm-hmm. it was the Father that determined the time right. for the for the Son to go and get his bride. Yes, and he drops that little hint in Matthew. He's talking about the in Matthew 24, where we have lots of information about uh, the end and what it's going to look like. In, um, in Matthew 24, as he's, he's going through this whole discussion of his coming again, he says uh, in verse 31, and he will send his angels with a great, a great sound of a trumpet and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one hand, end of heaven to the other. And no one basically will know the time or the hour. So this is part of that Galilean covenant as well, that only the father of the groom knew when everything was ready. The, in the in the parable, it was the father of the groom who sent out the invitations, got everything prepared, sent out his servants to go call those that the wedding is ready. Only the father has this final word. Not even the groom, not even the son knew when it was going to be all done. He had to build, he had to pound, he had to get his stuff, he had to fix whatever he did. But it was, so they were all waiting for the day. And it's, it's over and over, uh, God, he keeps saying, no one knows the day or the, the 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 day or the hour, but it and people have misunderstood that to mean we cannot know the time or the season. However, in First Thessalonians chapter five, he says, "Brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant of knowing the time and the season. We can know the time and the the time and the seasons a season because the time refers to year and the season is the time of the year. So God, basically, the 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 bride was expecting her groom back sometime this year you know knowing the year and 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 maybe even god is so gracious as to let us know what the season is i think and he's left hints about that too with the many times he's talking about the trumpet 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 and the trumpets are part of one of the main feasts uh called rosh hashanah but anyway back to the story so he's going um the day and the hour uh, i'm sorry it's matthew uh 24 36 but the day what day and the hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, but my father only. So that's reflecting again the Galilean wedding. That's another hint dropped by Jesus that this he's coming back. He's building a mansion 
We don't know when, but it's it's as good as his name. Um, okay, okay. So, but what happened in Matthew twenty four? He goes on to talk about in the next verse. But in the interim, when he's gone building his the mansions for the bride, what happens? He says, verse 36, but the day and the hour no one knows, not even the angels, 37. But what were they doing? As in the days of Noah, uh, so shall it be in the coming or the return of the Son of Man. For in those days before the flood, they were what? Eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage. He's giving us a clue, talking about marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark and, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. Many people are going to be eating, drinking, busy, buying, marrying, doing all kinds of things, trying to stay safe, whatever they're doing, being totally distracted and not realizing that the, the ark is being built, the rooms are being built, the time is coming and drawing near. And I think God, by his grace and goodness, is, is beginning to stir up in our spirits right now that this, there is something big coming. This, it, people are starting to say, is this the end? Is this the, the return of the Lord? Is this the end of the world? Various questions like that. It's not the end of the world, but it is the end of an age. It's the end of an age. I really believe we cannot really turn the, co- the clocks back. It's just not going to work because too many people have been exposed for who they really are and their intentions are vile and evil and beyond reason. They're not reasonable. They work with a whole different set of, of, of rules. Hypocrisy, lying, deception, murder, um, drinking the blood of innocence is all okay in their, uh, in their paradigm. But so they're eating and drinking, waiting for the day. So a lot of people are distracted. The bride herself, according to Matthew 25, he goes on to talk about this some more. Um, so the, there's... The, 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 in the kingdom of heaven, he says in verse 25, verse 1, is like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. So these are the attendants that are waiting for the announcement of the, the day and the hour that they don't know. So they have their lamps ready. There's 10 of them, half and half, and they're waiting. They all fall asleep. There's nothing, I guess, wrong with falling asleep because we need to sleep. But while the bridegroom was delayed... They all slumbered and slept, and at midnight a cry was heard: "Behold, the bridegroom is coming out to come, go out to meet him. Go out to meet." Him. So, in the Galilean wedding again, when it was time for the, um, uh, the 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 groom to go get his bride, it might be at midnight, it might be in midday, but at this point here, it's it's at midnight, and so he goes, and there's a, there's shouting, and there I don't know if there's trumpets, but there's all kinds of sounds that awake the people, the guests who are invited to the wedding. And those who are listening for the sound, who are woken and pay attention, get up out of their slumber, get up out of their houses, grab their coats, get their garments on, whatever they, you know, they, I don't know if they even have time to get dressed for the wedding, but they've, they're ready. They run to meet the groom as the groom, groom goes to the bride's house. And so these virgins, our attendants, are waiting and they, into their sudden shocking um, joy and despair that it's time. It's time. This is it. We've been waiting. This is it. Yes. The day of celebration is, it's a long celebration. I think these weddings are like seven days long, something like that. Anyway, so they get up and run, but five of the virgins realize, oh, wait, we don't have enough oil. We run out of oil. We don't have what we, you know, uh, what it takes. Um, they'd been busy, maybe too busy eating, drinking, marrying and giving in marriage to pay attention to the oil in their lamps. They weren't ready for the long haul. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And so it, it kind of reminds me of, and he goes on in Matthew 24 also to kind of, uh, 
segue into the virgins with the wicked, the story of the wicked servants, that whole section in there. If you look at Matthew chapter 24 um, through 25, he's he's really as we talk to it, uh, think of it as, you know, when is Jesus coming back? The tribulation, the second coming. But interspersed in all of that is information and alluring to alluding to sorry, alluding to the marriage of uh, yes. and the, uh, the return of Jesus Christ. So he said in verse um, uh, 45, he says, the wicked servant uh, who exploits his master's goods and beats his fellow servants um, who's become faithless um, will be caught off guard. He will, and it, it, that hour will take him by surprise. He won't be ready. He'll be cut off. He will not be uh, prepared. He will be appointed his portion with the, with the liars, with the hypocrites. And this is what God, Jesus is talking about with the five foolish virgins. They did not prepare themselves. And what, you know, he was using oil here as kind of a type, but the oil was the, the, the what the prepared virgins had done. Um, they had been preparing, they had been attending, uh, they had, um, extra oil. They had extra Yeah, oil. they had what they needed to be prepared, and the reward for their preparations could not be taken away from them. It could not be shared, because if you're prepared in your heart, in your soul, in your relationship with God, you cannot give that to someone else. You can tell them about, they can have one too, but each person has their own preparation. Their own, uh, prepa- their own heart has been prepared, and you can't exchange that at the last minute by laying hands on and passing through an anointing or something. You have to walk in the diligence of the delay being diligent in the delay, actually, to prepare yourself for the promise. And you are convinced there's nothing more important than being ready when that bridegroom comes through the, the, um, through, through the streets and the door is open. And when the door is opened, they go into the marriage supper and, and you're left out. Jesus said, Be ye also ready in the King James Version, for such an hour as you think not the Son of Man comes. So, well, exactly. You, you, you know he's coming, be, but be ready. It doesn't say get ready. Be ready. This yeah. this wife, this virgin, this this bride is had all to excited. Prepare herself. She stayed excited. She is waiting. She had to keep herself pure. Yeah. She. she That's why we wear white she dresses. Had, she had to keep up the uh, um, anticipation. Keep herself pure. Encouraged. The money was given by the father of the. Groom. groom for her to invest in a wedding dress and whatever preparation she made for mm-hmm. her attendance and so forth. It's interesting. To enable her to endure. To enable her to, yeah. And, uh, and so so the attendants had to be just as ready as she was. Right. And she maybe also used that money to help them if they wanted to. I mean, because a lot of times the attendants wear their, the garments, their, the, you know, the bridesmaids exactly. and things. Um, Let me say this from Revelation 19. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude as the sound of many waters and as the sound of many mighty thunderings saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come. Wow. And his wife has has made made herself herself ready. ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. So therefore, part of her preparation was the righteous busy. acts. Uh, yeah, but, and, and not, not just good works, but, but righteousness that comes out of abiding in Jesus Christ the vine. And, and so this is all, again, paralleled 
and alluded to again in First Thessalonians chapter 4, where he says, and, and Paul is talking to them in the context of what happens to dead people. And, and Jesus said, um, he says, Paul says, uh, if you believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. So the, the, he's going to bring them with him from where? Well, from somewhere. He's bringing them with him. For those of us who, uh, for, for this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not, will by no means precede those that are asleep. So there, this might mean, and I, you can that those they're coming with God, he's bringing with him those who sleep in Jesus. So they must have been with him to bring him back with him. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a couple of things, a couple of of, uh, things we're going to be looking for. And they're the same things that were done in the streets at midnight to awaken the people. He says he will come with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And of course, many of us call this the rapture. It's also uh, uh, confirmed in First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. Uh, and here we have the trumpet of God in Thessalonians. We have the last trumpet trumpet in First um, Corinthians, the last trumpet, the many of the hundred trumpets that are sounded on Rosh Hashanah, which is a multi-day feast begin with the first trumpet being blown at the uh, at the visual appearing of the moon over the horizon um, and it it culminates after a hundred trumpets are blown at the last trumpet a hundred or a hundred and one and that is the last trumpet nobody knows when that last one will sound because they don't know when the first one will be sounded this is why this feast of Rosh Hashanah parallels so well the return of Jesus Christ and the Rosh Hashanah or the uh, and uh, and the rapture, the gathering, the snatching away from the evil to come. And this proceeds, according to Second Thessalonians, this proceeds um, the, the exposing of the Antichrist. But again, in Thessalonians, it says in chapter 5, it says a couple of important things. Verse 1, but concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that we should write to you, for you yourselves know perfectly well that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. So this day of the Lord, the day that the bridegroom comes for his bride, will come as a thief in the night. We can know that the t- time is coming. She's been preparing all year. We can know maybe the season, which is fall. Rosh Hashanah is often, it is in the fall. And if that's the feast, if that's the, the day of the ingathering, which I think it is, but that's, you can think what you want. Um, but verse 9 says, but for God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if we're going to live these last few days or hours or weeks or months or years on this earth terrified, then who wins? You're under the counsel of fear. You say, well, I'm only 15. I'm only 16. I'm 21. I haven't even got to live my life yet. I mean, this is not fair. Well, it's super fair. Everything is fair because you have as much chance and opportunity to be part of the bride as your old mother or father or your grandfather who's still alive. You, it's, it, you, have, you have more energy. You have more anointing. You could get the wisdom that you need to get from the Lord. And you are the ones who are really going to usher in the return of Jesus Christ. So you've got a very exciting call on your life. And I wouldn't be kicking the can down the road and thinking my life is over. You are the ones who are preparing the way for the return of Jesus Christ. Make straight a path for him, you know, and because the king is returning, the king is coming back and you're part of the welcoming crew. You're part of the army. You're part of the bride. And so buck up and get excited about it. He's coming. He says, it says, the Lord will descend from heaven 
again, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and he's going to catch up those who are alive. And then all of this is for what is happening in Revelations and in chapter 19, verse 7, as you already read it, Jerry, um, we're being caught up together to to meet the Lord in the air to be taken into the heavenly dimension to to feast with him to sit with him to enjoy the wedding feast um, and it says uh, let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready um, she was granted as you said to be arrayed in fine linen bright and beautiful and he said right blessed are those who are who are called to the marriage supper of the lamb and these sayings are true. And they, and he says, and John says, I fell down and worshiped him. Um, so this is such awesome end, ending, such an awesome happily ever after, after true ending to the story. Right. And then we're there at the marriage supper of the Lamb. When we come back with Jesus mm-hmm. to defeat the powers of the Antichrist, to defeat the powers of the beast, and to rule and reign with him on the earth for, for a thousand years. And then Satan is going to be locked up, but here's loose the deal. for a little season, the, and then we're going to reign with him forever and ever. Okay, but but look at also one thing again, another hint. You got to pay attention to the hints. The feast of Rosh Hashanah is in September, and ten days later is the feast of Tabernacles. The feast of Rosh Hashanah and the feast of Tabernacles have not yet been fulfilled in on Earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, every, they are shadows and for shadows and types of what is to come. So if Rosh Hashanah is the foreshadowing. Uh, of the trumpets that gather in from the four winds, um, his elect from the four winds, and and those who are called to be part of his kingdom, part of his bride, and and then the feast of tabernacles is the they dwell together in booths, you know, tent mm-hmm. out, camp out for seven eight days in these booths, which is a symbolic uh, way of of foreshadowing camping out with Jesus Christ in heaven at the marriage supper of the Lamb, which is probably going to be seven days. And while that's going on, all hell is breaking loose on the earth because we are going to be delivered from the wrath of God. You know, we're not be being delivered from the wrath of Satan. Satan is at, is wrathful right now. He right hates now, the believers. Yeah. We're in the wrath of Satan, but God is protecting us from that. But when God begins to pour out his vials and his trumpets and his bowls, the wrath of God, he is not going to scorch and burn and and, and destroy his not children. Not going to burn his bride. No. Why would he want to do that? That is absolutely beyond stupid. And so, but the, but the thing to remember in all of this is that to get to the marriage supper of the Lamb, the agreement was made on the earth at the point of the betrothal, at the point of, of, of the covenant being agreed to, the drinking of the cup, the agreement was made, the, the dowry was given, the bride prepared herself, she stayed faithful unto the groom, the groom went back and did what he said he was going to do, he's building a mansion. All this is going on right now in real time in heaven. And on earth. So notice that you won't be at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Uh, wow. Can you imagine what's going to be up there? Holy buckets. What a deal. I can't even you know, describe the joy and the glory and the angels serving us and the, the celebration and the dancing mm. and the laughter and the, and the relief of being relief. delivered. Relief. Yes. Yeah. Relief. But, but that isn't going to happen unless you prepare now to be part of the bride. And the bride is the remnant. The bride is not the, ca- the counterfeit church. The counterfeit church doesn't think much about the wedding. They may have heard of it 
they they aren't interested in it, but you're interested in it. You're part of the bride. You have partaken with Christ through his death on the cross. His blood was shed. We died with him. We're dead, now resurrected, raised up unto new life, life in him, life as the bride. That's who you are. That's your identity. That's your destiny. Now do it, live it, be it, and, and not be afraid to um, worry about what's happening. What we want to do now is encourage others to become part of the bride. I know it sounds like a fable and a fantasy and a fairy tale, but it is the truth. The real fable, the real fantasy is all the garbage that Satan has stitched together through his fables and fa- and fantasies and fairy tales and uh, shows and, 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 and stories, uh, paganism, uh, Greek mythology, uh, Disney, all of these things he has stitched together to create a narrative that is nothing but a demonic illusion that will end in death and destruction and complete loss. And there's going to be a reward. Paul said, finally, 2 Timothy 4.8, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, Hallelujah. which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not, not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. This bride lived for the appearing of her groom. Right. She was and, so in love. And but she was making herself ready. She was preparing. So because all she was while. in love with him, she prepared. So the works, uh, preparations, purchases, whatever it was, so all came out of her love, love. and devotion mm-hmm. to the, the the bride and believing I mean the groom and believing that the groom was going to keep his word to fulfill, to give, to grant her a place to dwell with him forever. So it was all based on promises and believed belief. Promises were believed, and faith Je- in that what he had said to her. And Jesus told his disciples, occupy till I come. In other words, do business till I come. And for us, who are part of the bride of Christ, one of the best preparations we can make, the preparations that we are to make is to preach the gospel, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, uh, declare the kingdom of God freely. We have received freely give to be about my Jesus said, don't you know, I have to be about my father's business. Mm-hmm. And so doing business till he comes being not just good works, but out of love for him and mm-hmm. anticipation of his coming. Yeah. We want to see mm-hmm. the bride, <laughs> which is a whole group of people, right? Mm-hmm. Well populated, yes. right? We want to do everything we can, to like you mentioned, Margie, to, to bring all the people we can to become part of the bride of Christ. And I believe that the Holy Spirit has been sent in to, to well inside of us to prepare us um, for that day, for that day of rejoicing and reunification with Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And Father God, thank you that this story ends well for us who love you, for you have loved us with an undying love. You have given your life as proof of your love for us, that we might be with you forever, that this war that has been unimaginable, difficult Mm. beyond words, so contrived, so insidious, so demonic, so diabolical, so black, so filled with with hatred and violence and murder and bloodshed, out of it there's beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So lift off the, the despair, the hopelessness, the fear. Lift the fear off your people, Lord, and fill us with faith and anticipation at your return. And Lord, those people who are kind of on the fence and don't know if they believe in the rapture, the wedding feast of the, the, the marriage supper of the Lamb, or the bride of Christ, let them get in and get going, Father. We praise you and thank you for this. And we rest, we rejoice, 
and we receive the revelation of Jesus Christ. Give us skill and anointing to preach this gospel to people and give them ears to hear it now. Open their ears to hear it, their eyes to see it. And may the people who listen to this show, Lord God, it's not, may they be encouraged and may they share it with others, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I have an emergency. What is your location? Because there's a war for your soul.